Chapter Fourteen of Vicky Van by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Fourteen, walls have tongues. Now said Fleming Stone after he had learned all he desired from the Schuyler household. Now, if you please, I would like to go over to the Van Allen house. You have the keys, Mister Calhoun. I have a latch key to the street door. I replied. The rooms are not locked i don't know why exactly but i hated to have him go through vicky van's house of course it must have been because she had begged me not to let stone get into the case at all but i hadn't been able to prevent that the two schuyler sisters being determined to have him and i had no desire to impede justice or stand in the way of law and order but somehow or other i felt the invasion of vicky's home would bring about trouble for the girl and my mind was filled with vague foreboding we will go with you announced miss rhoda i've wanted to see that house from the first you'll go ruth oh no and ruth schuyler shrank at the idea i've no wish to see the place where my husband was killed how could you think of it if i could do any good by going no mrs schuyler said fleming stone you could do no good and i quite understand why you would rather not go the mrs schuyler and mr calhoun will accompany me and we will start at once can't i go asked winnie who had come in recently i'm just crazy to see that house you don't mind my going do you ruth no indeed child i'm perfectly willing mr stone raised no objection so winnie went with us it was nearly five o'clock full daylight though the dusk was just beginning to fall we went round to vicky van's and i opened the door for the party to enter the house had begun to show disuse there was dust on the shining surfaces of the furniture and on the polished floors the clocks had all stopped and the musty chill of a closed house was in the atmosphere ah cried winnie what a creepy feeling and this house is too pretty to be so neglected why it's a darling house look at that heavenly colour scheme winnie had darted into the living-room with its rose and grey appointments and we all followed her don't touch anything miss calhoun cautioned stone and Wynne contented herself with gazing about her hands clasped behind her the schuyler sisters sniffed and though they said little they conveyed the idea that to their minds the bijou residence savoured of reprehensible frivolity fleming stone lived up to his reputation as a detective and scrutinised everything with quick comprehensive glances we went through the long living-room and into the dining-room whose pale green and silver again enchanted winnie the walls are exquisite stone agreed looking closely at the panels of silk brocade framed with a silver tracery if walls have ears they must burn at your praise i said in an effort to speak lightly for stone's face had an ominous look as if he were learning grave truths walls not only have ears they have tongues he returned these walls have already told me much of miss van allen's character oh how cried winnie do tell us how you deduce and all that i looked hastily at stone thinking he might be annoyed by winnie's volatile speech but he said kindly to the trained eye miss calhoun much is apparent that escapes the casual observer but you can understand that the taste displayed in the wall decoration shows a refined and cultured nature a woman of the adventurous type would prefer more garish display of course i am generalizing but there is much to bear me out then i see by certain tiny marks and cracks that these walls have lately been done over and that they were also redecorated another time not long before 
this proves that miss van allen has money enough to gratify her whims and she chooses to spend it in satisfying her aesthetic preferences further the walls have been carefully cared for showing an interested and capable housekeeperly instinct and traits of extreme orderliness and tidiness cleverness even for here you see is a place where a bit of the plaster had been defaced by a knock or scratch and it has been delicately painted over with a little pale green paint which matches exactly it is not the work of a professional decorator so reason tells me that probably miss van allen herself remedied the defect good gracious exclaimed winnie i can see all that myself now you tell me but i never should have thought of it tell me more then the pictures which are so well chosen and placed that they seem part of the walls are as you notice all figure pieces there are no landscapes this of course means that miss van allen is not distinctly a nature lover but prefers humanity and society this argues for the joy of living and the appreciation of mental pleasures and occupations no devotee of nature would have failed to have pictures of flowers or harmonizing landscapes on these walls so you see to be edified by the tongues of walls you must not only listen to them but understand their language and then stone began taking in the rest of the dining-room's contents the table hastily cleared by the caterer's men was empty of the china and glass which they had supplied but still retained the candlesticks and appearance that were vicky van's own these were of plated silver not sterling which fat stone noted the lace-trimmed linen however was of the finest and most elaborate sort an unholy waste of money declared rhoda schuyler looking at the marvellous monogram of v v a embroidered on the napkins but i gazed sadly at the table only partially dismantled which had been so gaily decked for vicky's birthday supper scanning the sideboard stone remarked the absence of the small carving knife i told him i too had observed that and that i had made search for it did you ask the caterers people if they took it by mistake said the detective no i admitted and ashamed that i hadn't thought of it and i promised to do so as stone stood silently contemplating the place where randolph schuyler had met his death i stepped out into the hall i had no conscious reason for doing so but i did and chancing to glance toward the stairs i with difficulty repressed an exclamation for halfway up the staircase i saw vicky van i was sure it was no hallucination i positively saw her she was leaning over the banister listening to what stone was saying suddenly even as i looked she ran upstairs and disappeared was she safe could she escape perhaps by a back staircase or could she manage to elude us and slip away somehow then i was conscience-stricken was i conniving at the escape of a guilty person did i want to do this i didn't know something told me i must tell stone of her presence and yet something else made it impossible for me to do so i turned back to the dining-room and miss sarah was saying that's the spot then that's where randolph was killed by that awful woman mr stone you must get her an eye for an eye a life for a life she must pay the penalty of her guilt winnie was listening and tears stood in her eyes like ruth schuyler from whom she doubtless took a cue Wynne wasn't so ready to condemn vicky van unheard as the two sisters were she looked steadily at fleming stone as if expecting him to produce vicky then and there and i quivered with the thought of what would happen if he knew that even at that moment vicky was under the same roof with ourselves 
but stone completed his survey of the dining-room and as a matter of course started next up the stairs i pushed ahead a little in my eagerness to precede him but a vague desire to protect vicky urged me on i stood in the upper hall as the rest came up and i imagined that stone gave me a curious glance as he noted my evident embarrassment but winnie dashed into the music-room and the schuyler sisters quickly followed trust a woman to feel and show curiosity about her neighbour's home again stone examined the walls but the immaculate white and gold sides of the music-room said nothing intelligible to me and if they spoke to him he did not divulge the message the women exclaimed at the beautiful room and as stone's examination here was short we all filed back to vicky's bedroom i heard no sound of her and i breathed more freely as we did not find her in bedroom or in the boudoir beyond she had then succeeded in getting away and trusted to me not to betray her presence there the boudoir or dressing-room all pink satin and white enamelled wicker called forth new exclamations from winnie and even rhoda schuyler expressed a grudging admiration it is beautiful she conceded i wish ruth had come after all she loves this sort of furniture don't you remember sarah she wanted randolph to do up her dressing-room in wicker yes but he didn't like it he said it was gim crackery and the circassian walnut of ruth's room is much handsomer of course it is ruth has a charming suite oh do look at the dresses fleming stone had flung open a wardrobe door and the costumes disclosed though not numerous were of beautiful colouring and design winnie unable to resist the temptation fingered them lovingly and called my attention to certain wonderful confections what did she wear the night of the crime stone asked and i told him having win for a sister i am fairly good at describing women's clothes and i drew a vivid word picture of vicky's gold fringed gown heavenly exclaimed winnie although she had had me describe the gown to her on the average of twice a day for a week i wish i could see it some day chet i'm going to have one like it fringe said stone curiously do women wear fringe nowadays oh yes i responded but it was a long fringe of gilt beads that really formed an overdress to the tulle skirt stay i've a piece of it and i took out my pocket-book see here it is i found it caught in those gilded leaves at the lower corner of the mirror frame that long dressing mirror they all looked at the mirror which hung flat against the wall its foliated florentine frame full of irregular protuberances of course said winnie nodding her head i know just how she stood in front of it whirling around to see her gown from all sides like this win whirled herself around before the glass and succeeded in catching a bit of her own full skirt on the frame you little goose i cried as the fabric tore we don't need a demonstration at the expense of your frock fleming stone was studying the strand of gold fringe it was composed of tiny beads of varying shapes and had already begun to ravel into shreds i'll keep this he said and willy-nilly i lost my little souvenir of vicky van but of course if he considered it evidence i had to give it up and the fact of doing so partly salved my conscience of its guilty feeling at concealing the fact of vicky's presence in her own house just then and too i said to myself mr stone is out to find her surely a detective of his calibre can accomplish that without help of an humble layman so i kept my own counsel and further search of the next story and later of the basement rooms gave no hint of vicky's presence or departure 
indeed i began to wonder if i had really seen her could she have been so clearly in my mind that i visualized her in a moment of clairvoyance my reason rebelled at this for i knew i saw her as well as i knew i was alive she had on the same little hat in which i had last seen her she had on no cloak and her tailor-made street dress was of a dark cloth i couldn't be sure how she got away for the basement door we found bolted on the inside but she must have warily evaded and eluded us and slipped here and there as we pursued our course through the house and then have gone out by the front door when we were say on the upper floors returning to vicky's boudoir where her little writing-desk was fleming stone began to run over the letters and papers therein it was locked but he picked the flimsy fastening and calmly took up the task with his usual quick-moving efficient manner i stayed with him and the three women wandered back over the house again he ran through letters with glancing quickness flipped over sheafs of bills and examined pens ink and paper there's so much that's characteristic about a desk he said as he observed the pen wiper stamps pin tray and especially the pencils indeed i feel now that i know miss van allen as well if not better than you do yourself mr calhoun in that case then you can't believe her guilty i flashed back for the very atmosphere of the dear little room made me more than ever vicky's friend but you see and he spoke a bit sadly what i know of her is the real woman i can't be deceived by her wiles and coquetries i see only the actual traces of her actual self i knew what he meant and there was some truth in it for vicky was a mystery and i was not by any means sure that she didn't hoodwink us when she chose to much as i liked and admired the girl i was forced to believe she was not altogether disingenuous and she was clever enough to hoodwink anybody but if stone's deductions were to be depended on they were doubtless true evidence is she guilty i sighed i can't say that yet but i found nothing that absolutely precludes her guilt on the contrary i found things which if she is guilty will go far toward proving it this sounded a bit enigmatical but stone was so serious that i grasped his general meaning and let it go at that i mean he said divining my thoughts that things may or may not be evidence according to the guilt or innocence of the suspect if you find a little boy in the pantry beside an empty jam-pot you suspect him of stealing jam now if lots of other circumstances prove that the child did take the jam the empty pot is evidence but if circumstances develop that convince you the child did not have any jam whatever that day then the jam-pot is no evidence at all and you have found empty jam-pots i asked i have but so far i'm not sure that they are condemnatory evidence though in justice to my own work i must add that they have every appearance of being so you already like vicky van then i said quickly moved to do so by a certain note of regret in his voice no man could help liking a woman who possesses her traits she has delightful taste and tastes she is most charitable her account so sums wisely expended on worthy charities and letters from friends prove her a truly loyal and lovable character such a girl couldn't kill a man i broke out don't say that there is no one incapable of crime but such a nature would require very strong provocation and desperate conditions these granted it is by no means impossible now i am through for to-day but if you please i will keep the key of the house 
as the case is now in my hands you will not object no i said a little reluctantly for suppose vicky should give me another commission or ask me to perform another errand in the house you have a transparent face mr calhoun and fleming stone smiled quizzically why do you want to keep the key my aunt is most desirous of seeing this house i deliberately prevaricated and i thought but i didn't deceive the astute detective no that isn't it he said quietly i'm not sure but i think you are in touch with miss van allen and if i am i flared up very well he returned it is as you imply none of my business but i want to know your attitude and if it is antagonistic to my work i am sorry but i will conduct my course accordingly mr stone i confessed i am not antagonistic but i do know a little about miss van allen's movements that i haven't told i cannot see that it would assist you in any way to know it that's enough and fleming stone spoke heartily your assurance of that is sufficient now are we working together i hesitated then i suddenly thought of ruth schuyler i owed her a business fealty and somehow i liked to feel that i also owed her personal allegiance and both these demanded my efforts to avenge the death of her husband irrespective of where the blow might fall so i said honestly we are mr stone i will help you if i can and if at any time i think my withheld information will help you i will make it known is that satisfactory entirely so and the handshake that stone gave me was like a signed and sealed bond to which i tacitly but none the less truthfully subscribed End of chapter fourteen